0: PlayStation Nation and welcome to episode 1 of Discuss Plus, your weekly insight on PlayStation's monthly offerings. We got a lot to talk about today. PSN sale recommendations, our wild E3 predictions, and of course, our first impression of this month's biggest plus release, Virtual Fighter 5 Ultimate Showdown. But first, I want to go around the room and for the first time of many times, introduce you to the cast and crew. First, the boss man our director, producer, my friend of 20 years, James Griffin. How you doing, buddy?
1: Feeling good, man? We're finally fucking here. Finally
0: What's up, everybody? Here, Finally here. And it's only now that I thought to ask you, why are we doing this? What, 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 what is it where you want out of this, dude?
1: Uh, good, great question. Uh, for me, personally, I'm someone who believes a lot of people who pay for video games and who play games kind of miss out on a lot of free features or really cool things that if they were told more blatantly they would probably get to experience and share and i think plus is one of those things so i find playstation plus a lot of people have it like there's a 46 million the last time we checked But a lot of people don't actually know, oh, how does this work? Um, when are the games coming out? How long do I get to keep them for? What, what does this give me? Those sorts of things. So I was like, cool. I don't see a lot of people talking about this on podcasts and gaming. Why don't me and my buddies, both you know, really smart guys who like games, talk about this? And people can hear and be like, oh, shit, I didn't know you could do that. Or, oh, wow, I didn't know that game was available, uh, available to me now. So yeah. that's why I thought this was a good idea.
0: I mean, uh, that last point, that event game is available to me now, the amount of games you've shown me, uh, thanks to SharePlay, whom, uh, that I had no idea how to work beforehand, um, it's just been a really broadening experience, and uh, it's been a, a good test of our friendship at times, frankly. Um, I think we can get through a lot after our, uh, <laughs> our Marvel versus Capcom Infinite uh, bouts, so good to have uh, you, man, well... and thanks for having me here as well
1: of course thanks spencer
0: next our dear mutual friend and probably my money's on the biggest gamer we know justin kleinscroft good to hear from you justin thanks for coming
2: thanks man thanks happy to be here nice excited to talk about
0: games hell yeah man so maybe that answers my next question but why did you join our little venture exactly to talk about games it's fun, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The simplest answer is often the best, and I'm glad you didn't throw any big thesaurus words on top of it, my man.
2: My, that's my shtick. Simple, to the point, but there is a point, hopefully.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Every every podcast needs a soft-spoken one, you know, the the fly on the wall, if you will. So we will appreciate that perspective. And last, of course, but certainly not the least, uh, is me, Spencer Banfield, the host. And frankly, I joined this podcast because over the last ooh, 21 years of my gaming career, I have seen this artistic medium push the boundaries uh, of what is uh, possible uh, in the electronic sphere and within the creative sphere. And uh, it's just cool to be a part of it. And it's every year I'm having to put less effort into arguing that video games is a relevant uh, cultural product um, in the media sphere today and that they do have the impact that pieces of art, literature, and good movies can um, on a peoples. It's inspiring. And uh, frankly, to just broaden my perspective of that with these two uh, is a privilege. So boys, uh, here's to the first of many. I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. I hope you do too. Well said, Spencer. What is this? Exactly. Let me segue. Excuse me. Don't interrupt. (laughs) (laughs) Rude. (laughs) What what is this, you may be asking? Well, Discuss Plus is a weekly in-depth look at games included with PlayStation Plus subscription service. Every week, the three of us, sometimes a guest, get together and review a game with one idea in mind. Is this worth your precious time? We think we've assembled a good variety of perspectives here. Justin is our hardened, multi-platform completionist. James, the most industry-savvy uh, industry gamer I know. And me, Spenny, just a guy. The <laughs> podcast will also <laughs> highlight also relevant topics in the gaming industry. Looking to start conversations with our listeners and the greater PlayStation ecosystem. Informative and entertaining just a healthy dose of roasting. We hope Discuss Plus will make a great addition to your podcast library. But so... We did it, boys, and we're out. <laughs> That's it. Uh, oh, <laughs> two quick sidebars. We're all Canadian. When we reference stuff like prices, release dates, uh, they may not apply if you live outside the Great White North. So for that, we are very, very sorry. Sidebar number two, none of us own a PlayStation 5 right now. We all agreed to wait for a little more incentive before making the Switch. But James does own a PSVR. So lucky for us, only his opinions will be one-dimensional.
1: Ouch, yeah. That was good. That was a little harsh, but okay. It's on. <laughs> I, it's on.
0: I said a healthy <laughs> dose of roasting. That's it was healthy. good. It was good. It was good. <laughs> right. Let's get into the news, Uh, guys. I have some good news and some bad news. What do you want to hear first?
1: Uh, Both in consecutive order. Good news and bad news. Yes, exact same
0: time. (laughs) Same time. Uh, Okay, I'm gonna go. Good news first. Uh, Good news. Santa Monica Studios confirmed via Twitter that God of War Ragnarok is coming for PS4 as well. Hell yeah. Bad news. It's been pushed back a year. So expect, um, I'm going to try this word, Jormungandr's arrival in 2022. So fellas, God of War joins the Horizon sequel and Gran Turismo 7 as playable titles recently chosen to be PS4 compatible. I mean, is this doing anything for our prospects of buying a PS5? Because I don't think it's done much for mine.
1: We believe in generations, said Jim Ryan a year ago. Uh, Honestly, I've talked to you both about this. I don't think anyone should be buying a PS5 if they're not a developer or a journalist for the first few years. Mm -hmm. And I say that because, one, it's too expensive. I think it's $634 for the disc-based version in Canada, at least $600. Mm. Two, there's a lot of games that'll still come to PS4, as Spencer just listed very well. And three, in about two, three years, we've said this in all these screen tests we did before we published, right? That there's going to be a slim version, it's going to have more space, it's going to be half the price, and it's going to perform better. Mm. So hearing this kind of news to me is, and and Justin, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm not surprised whatsoever, despite what Jim Ryan said uh, a year ago. Their their base is on PS4. There's 112 PS4s out. Why would you just put everything PS5 exclusive? The money doesn't. The money part doesn't make sense.
2: You know, 112 yeah. million, right? That's what you, Sorry, 112 million PS4s out there. That's what you meant.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 112.
0: Hey. Yep. My God. No. <laughs> yeah. You can't stunt that market uh, uh, so quickly. I mean, it, I think it stands to the amount of. IPs that PlayStation needs to develop uh, for the PS5 just as well, right? Especially with Corona holding over this transition. So maybe they just need to prepare a couple other things, and they've admitted that uh, to themselves uh, by essentially doing this. <laughs> yeah. That's a share. A shout-out to the shareholders, really. It's like, hey, guys, <laughs> um, I know this is the thing that makes us money, but, uh, we'll have it for you. Don't worry. Okay? Don't take my knees.
1: I think if you're a PS5 owner, you have a right to be pissed right now. Like, I get that part. You paid 600 bucks for your new machine. They promised you, you know, next-gen content, PS5-exclusive stuff, and to be, you know, to be told this this early on probably sucks. So, Mm -hmm. if you have a PS5, I I feel for you. I really do. Uh, At the same time, that's an expensive machine to get at launch, especially a soft launch, which is, you know, Spencer's saying Corona was a big component. They called it a soft launch last year, so.
0: Oh, nice term.
1: I think the only, uh, only first-party exclusive that's going to be PS5 only is Ratchet & Clank
0: Rift Apart, right? Yeah. Yeah, actually, now that you mention it. Um, that I know great, of. Yeah, great AP into its own right, but uh, uh, still, just one game to launch on.
1: And it comes out next week, so I mean, if you—that's exciting for your PS5 owner, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, generally, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my PS4 for about two more years, most likely at least mm. a year.
0: You know, I'm kind of a layman with this thing, but it, it, it can't help I can't help but feel like no one might be happy with this because um, PS4 you, you'll have to tune down the game or at least remove a couple things for it to use. That to for it to be uh, compatible with that previous generation. Uh, and then, of course, as we had mentioned, the PS5 owners who had thought, oh, this was the only way I could play it, uh, is no longer the case. That's just $600 down the drain. Um, so if you try to appeal to everybody, you appeal to nobody. You know what I mean?
2: And to be fair, though, the PS5 is still a huge upgrade on the PS4. Um like, even the games that are coming out on both systems, they're, they're going to be faster, uh, way more graphically impressive. Um, I, th- I think PS5 is still... I don't know if PS5 owners are going to be too upset. Um, I don't think I would be, personally, if I had a PS5 right now. Uh, they still have exclusives as well, like uh, like maybe not first-party ones, but they have, like, Returnal. Uh, that came out recently that actually looks really fucking fun. Um, I know I'm kind of sad that it is only on PS5. I'd love to play that game, but I can't. Mm. Yeah.
0: Oh. Fair enough. I think it's a,
2: it's a further discussion. You make good points, Justin, but mm-hmm. I also think cross-platform
1: games, in general, kind of always are a little wishy-washy. Like, yes, I'm sure it's going to play way better on PS5. It's going to look great. But... I also think that some of these games probably started development on PS4 and then they kind of ported the development over to PS5, which oh, yeah. makes think me that's think the like, case or, for, yeah. uh,
2: I think that's the case for Horizon, the new Horizon yes. uh, Forbidden West. Yeah. I think I read so, that yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I always think like the, the most recent transition, obviously
1: the PS3 to PS4 would be, be the last one. And I remember Assassin's Creed Black Flag released on both, I believe around the same time the PS3 and PS4 version. And I do remember I played the PS3 version and it the it didn't look too much different from the PS4 one. Uh and I imagine if it was a PS4 exclusive and they had started development on it as a PS4 exclusive, it probably would have been just an overall more cohesive better game. Not that it wasn't great. I know how much we love Assassin's Creed.
0: <laughs> Especially Black Flag. <laughs> oh my god, man. I I loved uh you know, coming home from a day of classes and just sailing. That was my stress relief. It was just sailing and listening to sea shanties. It's a shame that they didn't remaster Assassin's Creed when the, the sea shanties became a big TikTok thing or whatever.
1: That's a good point. Is, yeah. I think there was, um, there was one uh, Assassin's Creed they remastered, uh, Rogue or something, that's on PS4 now. But that's mm-hmm. a diff- wholly
0: different yeah. game. Yes, All and right. it does have uh, sailing. So I, I, I'll give you the point for that. Yeah, you're technically correct. Oh, <laughs> yes, technically correct, uh, uh, That's kind of correct.
1: Generally, though, I think my verdict on cross-platform games is that n- no one gets everything that they want. But if you're a PS4 owner and something like Horizon started on that, you'll at least get a decent game. And I think mm. the same for Ragnarok, right? Like, I think, I think the Ragnarok PS4 version will be great. It'll look great. It'll play fine. It might look mm. a little better and have a higher frame rate on the PS5, but you'll get a similar experience. That's what I think. Yeah. I'm saying it now. It's my, my prediction for Regnarok. So we'll <laughs> see if I eat my words.
0: It it it's to me, it's like the difference between 4K and 1080p, where it's like, wow, both of these are nice. I really couldn't tell the difference between the two. Um at least for 100%. my yeah, my understanding of PS4, PS5. But I think it's PS4 owners who have the better end of the deal right now. I I think they, they came out of this on top. If there ever was such a competition between them.
1: I agree. Um Returnal does look dope though, Justin. I'm with you with that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. What else have we got here? So we're recording today, June sixth, which means that we are less than a week for me three. Six Whoa. days. We <laughs> We need a soundboard to get a little more woos. If it's just one woo, it's uh it's underwhelming. So look into that, James. I'll look into it. <laughs> anyway, in six days we will have a, uh, their words, not mine, totally reimagined, all virtual event where anyone can check out showcases, press conferences, and other presentations free of charge. So let's go through the uh, the days here. Quick schedule: Saturday, Ubisoft plans to show footage of the new Tom Clancy game, Rainbow Six Quarantine and a little bit about the upcoming Far Cry 6. The afternoon they give off the mic to Gearbox Entertainment, the minds of course behind the Borderlands franchise. Sunday, it's the Xbox Bethesda showcase. They're promising, quote, games from Xbox Studio, excuse me, games from Xbox Game Studios, Bethesda, and many game creators from around the world. I know it's kind of vague, but they asked us to buy details to the story from the Bethesda store, so I said, no thank you. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Monday. Capcom takes the hold stage up, with hold news.
1: Up. Hold up. You have to they said you need to buy to find out details.
0: I'm joking, Ben.
1: I oh joking. I I, I like, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I, I, I like jumped on. I was like, what the fuck? I'm so gullible.
0: <laughs> but it, it really speaks to Bethesda that you thought I was telling the truth. Uh
1: you guys all know how I feel about that company. We'll get to that later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Anyway, no, uh, for the sake of everyone listening, I was joking, okay? Don't attack me for my views, which are clearly jokes. Anyway, Monday. Capcom takes the stage with news of Resident Evil 4 for the Oculus, which, frankly, sounds horrifying. Uh, If you ask me, I'll be tuning in for word on the Great Ace Attorney Collection. Tuesday is Nintendo's turn. They'll discuss new Switch software and games. They didn't mention any titles, but you know, we could probably assume Luigi's involved. Again. Well, hearing all that, fellas, what day, if you could only attend one day, what day would you attend? Justin, why don't we you go first?
2: Uh, I'm personally pretty excited for the Xbox Bethesda stuff. Uh, I think Xbox has been doing a lot of great stuff lately, uh, and I think that acquiring Bethesda is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um... I love Bethesda personally, uh, Bethesda Game Studios anyways. Um, so hopefully we get to hear more from that. That's what I'm most excited for anyways. Uh,
0: Could you extrapolate on that, though? You said you love Bethesda, but Bethesda Game Studios. What do you mean by that?
2: Well, there's also Bethesda is itself like a overarching like publisher um bethesda game studios is its own thing that's those are the ones who create fallout Uh, and uh and uh elder scrolls gotcha gotcha so yes some of the other like overarching things that bethesda as a publisher puts out i'm not as excited about but bethesda game studios
0: themselves i'm excited to see Mm -hmm. what they have Mm -hmm. in store you know you can love something without agreeing with everything they do so um it shows a real awareness justin um i'm proud of you (laughs) 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 james what day would you go to
1: uh first of all i'm gonna call you i'm gonna say objection how dare you mock the great ace attorney chronicles ace attorney is awesome
0: dude i said (laughs) i tune in i I don't want to watch resident evil i want to watch great ace attorney that's less scary
1: okay so so you're going to be buying that game when it comes out can we confirm that here
0: no, I'm not <laughs> confirming anything to strangers on the internet just yet. I'm not doing anything until I am paid up front, Capcom.
1: Oh, so now we're shelling out to the uh, the big companies already. First yes, episode. Yes, Jamie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Start, uh, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: So as far as I, I think Justin nailed it. I'm not, I don't know if I'm excited. Maybe that's not the right word for me with uh, the Xbox conference. But it's the most interesting one in the sense that like Xbox has made some really big moves over the last year or so. Obviously, buying Bethesda for what was a seven billion dollars. Uh, and right now, you know, with Game Pass and having all these first-party studios, I'm really interested to see just what they're going to offer. Mm-hmm. Because they're they're kind of they're kind of in a similar situation to where PlayStation was in kind of the early mid. PlayStation Three era, where they've got a lot to prove, and they need to keep proving it. They really need to show like, mm-hmm. why should I switch over? So I'm really interested to see how they and uh, and Bethesda, obviously, as part of their uh, repertoire now, talk about it and what they have for the next generation. Mm-hmm. I am excited for Camp- uh, Capcom too, though. I like Capcom. Their games are fun. And Resident Evil sounds pretty cool. I would love some more Mega Man. Uh, Levin seemed to do at least decently well, so I would love to see another Mega Man game come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's about it for me, though. I'm I'm not super excited for this year's E3 as I normally am.
0: No, it was nothing like last year. Um, it was just a it was a splash. But I want to go back to um, the point you made about. Uh, them having to prove to get people back. We were talking about Xbox Game Pass. We've done it n- several weeks now and how it's it's it seems like the superior product to PlayStation. And by attracting people with good games through E3, they can further incentivize that switch because Xbox Game Pass is already winning in that column.
1: Like, well, keep in mind, no one else has heard any of our. We, so, for anyone listening, we did like screen tests. We didn't publish, and during those screen tests, kind of like, kind of like practice episodes, we talked a lot about Game Pass. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what Game Pass is, it's Xbox's kind of subscription game-based service. So, you pay a certain amount each month, you get access, like unlimited access to a certain amount of games that you can download mm-hmm. and play on Xbox One, Series X, and PC. If you you pay a little extra. Um, obviously, our podcast is really focused on PlayStation Plus, which you'll, you know, we'll, we'll, you'll hear more, uh, more about today and in the future. Uh, one thing we really like to talk about is how great Xbox Game Pass is these days and how you'll get more bang for your buck. So with that in mind, Spencer, I think you're totally right. This is a chance for them to really broadcast Game Pass in a more mainstream light. Much like Plus, I think there's a lot of people who maybe have heard of Game Pass but don't really know what it is. Not sure why they should care. And so this E3, I think that's what Xbox needs to do to be successful mm. is really sell Game Pass mm. to the public.
0: I, uh, I appreciate you mentioning our, uh, our sound checks and our rehearsals because if this thing gets good enough someday, we may have like a Snyder Cut-like appeal from the fans. Like, we want to hear, we want to see the other material. Um, give us a new cut of the, the Discuss Plus podcast. I mean, wouldn't that be nice? to uh, to retire on something we just pretty much clipped together. Uh, $5 and- on Patreon. $5 members <laughs> get that. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, and if you ask me, I'm a pretty basic guy when it comes to my gaming preferences. And despite the, let's say, dubious practices of the company at times, the Ubisoft um, showcases what I'm really into, particularly five, Far Cry 6. I don't know. Have you guys seen the trailer for that yet? No. Yeah, they
2: actually did a uh, they did a gameplay thing. I think earlier this week, uh, like it was like twenty minutes or so. I think of some more detailed stuff. It looks pretty cool, but we'll see. That's that's I mean, a game I'll wait until it comes out.
0: I, I, pretty cool. I I feel is an understatement when you have a flamethrower backpack and an attack alligator who wears an Hawaiian shirt. Um, I'd like to know what you think is pretty cool or or is fucking phenomenal. If you don't think an alligator in a shirt is pretty cool. I, uh, I love the idea of it. First of all, um, the city, the, the, the series finally reaching into cityscapes. I think is very cool. I like the idea of a, a dictatorship that needs to be overthrown. Um, and of course, Oh my goodness. I can't believe I'm about to uh, forget the actor's name, but Gustav, um, Gus Fring from breaking bad is the villain. Uh, and, uh, and Carlo
2: I think Esposito. I, thank yes, thanks, you, Justin. Carlo, yeah.
0: Carlo Esposito. And he's just, a, uh, I think, a fantastic cast. So yeah. really excited to have close brushes with him in the game and um, just get back into the Far Cry series, really, hopefully uh, sooner than later. Um, pretend for a moment, everybody, that you won't be judged by thousands of strangers on the internet or your closest friends here. Um, what are your wild E3 predictions? Let's let's hear an underdog, a surprise appearance. You know, maybe you think a projector will break. I don't know, but oh, no holds barred, James. What's your prediction?
1: Uh I have one that's like a cynical one and one that's like I'd be really excited for it, but it Love won't it. happen. Uh, my cynical one is that Elden Ring turns out to not be real and it's not coming out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just can't imagine the fallout of that from like um from from software fans, they'd lose their their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, so my personal one, and I think this will come out. It's been kind of confirmed. Sega like half confirmed it about a year ago. They announced a Dreamcast Mini, um, like one of those retro consoles, and. They have packaged in it, like, four games that have never been released outside of Japan. They're being localized in English. So there's, like, uh, at the end of the Dreamcast lifecycle, there were a few games that were Japan-only. One called Sega Gaga, which is, like, an RPG. And they never got brought to America, officially. So I would love something like that, as someone who really liked the Dreamcast when I was younger. Um, That's pretty niche, though, so I don't think it'll actually happen.
0: Hey, we said... Make a wild prediction like you wouldn't be judged. And boy, Jamie, um, is it is it really hard not to judge you right now? But I made a promise. So obviously I'm going to keep it. Justin, what's your prediction?
2: Uh, I don't know if I have anything like wild. Uh, There's a few things I'm hoping for. Um, I really hope we see some more from Starfield. I think we will with the uh, from Bethesda. Um maybe wild and uh maybe getting my hopes up, definitely getting my hopes up is some Elder scroll 6. I don't think we'll see anything, but that would be amazing. Um also, fingers crossed, Metroid Prime four. Let's see it.
0: <laughs> no, that's a good pick. You know what? Uh and again, I I pilfered, but Nintendo was kind of vague about their plans. It was really mm. focused on the Switch. I think that's something that could come for the Switch. Hopefully. We'll see. Didn't it
1: change uh, developers like a year ago or two? I can't remember how long it was. There's,
2: There's been a lot of weird shit going on with that game. So, yeah, hopefully something comes out about it finally.
1: Mm-hmm. More than the, the title screen from what? It was like five years ago? Yeah. Four or five years ago? It's been a long wait, time, right? Yeah.
0: Wait, they dropped a title screen as a, as a teaser or something? Or...
1: So like a few years ago, I'm going to say four years, I might be wrong, but it it, it at least feels that long, is that during 3, they basically had Metroid Prime 4, the title screen, the title for it, like the logo came up, and it just said in development. And then I think it was about a year or two ago, I'm not exactly sure when, but more recently, they said it had basically switched developers, and they were almost, I don't think completely, but somewhat starting from scratch. So I think it's a ways away
0: from everything I'm hearing. If it even exists anymore. Yes, even if if it even exists, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, another thing that doesn't exist is Sony's E3 showcase. As you all would have noticed, they didn't come up on the schedule. Savvy would know they do their own show now. Um, For everybody else, just who is uninformed um, and angry on Twitter, just a disclosure. I didn't mention it because it doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> hold hold up,
1: hold up. Before what do go on? <laughs> for anyone wondering, Sony, I think when Sony got big a few years ago, they were just like, we're too big for E3. We're going to do our own thing on our own time. Yeah. And so for the last few years, they'll do their own conference. Um, last year, I remember right before the show started, Justin told me, like, uh, we were looking at, like, when was last year's PS5 reveal event for Sony? And it was, like, June 8th, June 9th, around then. And we're surprised right now there's been no announcement for like a Sony conference, at least that I've seen. So the big question isn't so much like, is Sony going to show up at some point? It's just, I guess, the assumption for myself, and I think Justin, was that they would show up around this time with their own conference separate, but it looks Mm. like they're not. So that is strange. We'll we'll have to wait and see what they announce. They will announce something, though. and we'll we'll talk about it when, I, when they do.
0: <laughs> I mean, hell, it would be awfully bold, because uh, then you could siphon away some of the attention, right? Um, by by holding your own event in a similar time frame. But you know what? I don't think they want to step on those kind of toes, and and thankfully, they don't have to. So we'll see. We will see. But uh, as I had mentioned, the top of the show, uh, said we'd be reviewing Virtual Fighter Five. If that didn't pique your interest, um, yeah, I considered that, because I wasn't keen to play it either. This week, PlayStation's got a couple sweet discounts on a whole swath of games old and new. We figured we'd make a couple recommendations. So, hang tight as we reach into this haystack and pull out a couple needles in the segment we call Bargain Bin. And this bargain bin takes a bit of a special character. In addition to Sony's Days of Play sale, this week they've dropped prices on over 1,200 indie titles. That sale lasts until June 18th. So James, what was your big pick from this week's offerings?
1: Uh, A lot of good stuff, I think, on this sale. My offering, though, is what's the most uh, bang you can get for your buck. And so I would pick... Uh, Wolf Among Us for PS4 yeah. would be my decision. Uh, look, uh, Telltale—they they're obviously out of the game now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this was this was a great title though, in that a lot of people, especially a more mainstream audience, didn't really know about Fables, which is the comic this game is based on. So the Wolf Among Us did a really good job, kind of introducing people to that world. It's it's kind of like a point and click adventure title, like you make choices. And you have to find stuff in the room or examine it, and that drives the story along. And depending on the choices you made, there's different things that happen. Some people might live or die. The ending changes. So it's really cool. It's really, uh, really well written. And there's actually a sequel in development. I can't remember who took over the development from Telltale for Wolf Among Us 2, but uh, it's eight bucks. I think you get all five episodes. And yeah, if you're really into like narratives and great stories, it's really really good. And the comics are really good too. I own a few of the Fable issues. Excellent stuff. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really can't go wrong. Um, and I'll tell you, you'll probably get introduced to Telltale through any of the you know big name IPs. They do a Walking Dead series. They do Batman. Uh, they did Game of Thrones, and then you'll find yourself just jonesing for more because they are short games. They're compelling, but short games. And uh, I just happened to stumble upon Wolf Among Us. And uh, I fell into it. It was a great time. Um, Great recommendation. 100%. Anything Telltale does. uh, RIP Telltale uh, in our hearts and minds forever. Justin, what was your pick? Uh,
2: So I took from the Days of Play stuff, which hopefully you're listening around the time we release this because the sale's ending in a couple days from when we record this. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I picked uh, actually Final Fantasy fourteen, The Complete Edition, which is their big MMO, um, is on for thirty-one ninety-nine, which is, as Jamie said, bang for your buck. Like you, you can put hundreds of hours into that game. Um, you do have to pay a subscription though, which is unfortunate. Uh, but that's how MMOs go. Um, but if you're not into that, I also did honorable mention. Skyrim is on for 20 bucks just so you guys know really god
0: <laughs> again nice <laughs> no.
2: I actually no. don't have it on ps4 I thought about picking it up again no but I've already bought is... it like three or four times
0: <laughs> yeah you're right I bought it for xbox 360 and xbox one uh and I don't have it for ps4 yet I think I just I might have to take a stroll through it um the boys and I uh, viewers of course if you perused our channel, you'll see we have the Mass Effect discussion up as a, a little bonus. Uh, I, I have been lost without Mass Effect to play. I think it's time to head back to Tamriel and uh, take a stroll around the neighborhood. So that's a great pick, Justin. Um, I like Hell it.
1: Yeah. Hell Give yeah. me a fucking break, Justin. Give me a
2: fucking break. You got be kidding me. <laughs> I knew Jimmy wouldn't like that. <laughs> yeah, oh my God.
0: <laughs> it's, it's just, he's just mad because he can't get past the Giants and he raged quit. <laughs>
1: I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm bad cuz the game is is bad. Sorry. <laughs> but we'll talk about that another time that we could yes. talk for that for hours. No, um,
0: there's no doubt in episode uh, you're going to make us do about why Bethesda sucks and uh, we'll just get dragged through it. But no matter, uh, I had a pick. The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners is at a significant discount right now. It's a PSVR title 34.80 CAD. Um, many reviews say that it is a, a a good, uh, iteration. It, it, excuse me, I should say it uses the technology. Well, um, that it's really integrative and, uh, it's suspenseful. And of course, you know, as a, a walking dead title, um, you know what you're getting out of the narrative and, um, it makes for some cool moments, I think. So if you have a PSVR, um, and 35 bucks, it's, Worth trying, I would say. I mean Jamie, you've got a PSVR. Have you thought about picking this game up?
1: So for PSVR, one guy I follow, um, and for anyone listening, this guy's great. Uh he runs a YouTube channel called PSVR Without Parole. And he'll go through like every PSVR release and then he does kind of rankings. And for a while the general consensus was like Beat Saber and Astrobot are the two best PSVR games. And they are both fantastic. So I was surprised when uh, about a year ago, whenever this game came out, he basically said that it's better than both those titles. It's the best PSVR title. You need to try it. I haven't yet. I will pick it up at some point, though. All I've heard is it's, it's really, really good. So if you have a PSVR and you're looking for a new game, this is the one. If you haven't played this, definitely nice. check it out.
0: Nice. Yeah, uh, you know what? Uh, take his word for it. More than I. Because they both own... Uh, psvrs for whatever reason we won't get into um but they do uh they're great
1: what are you talking
0: about uh vr
1: is fantastic uh, yeah i I,
0: I don't know for me it's like it's it's like you know there's an expression the best dog is your friend's dog because you can have fun with it for an hour and then you get to go home you don't have to maintain it you know you know that's what it is for me it's like hey somebody else paid a couple hundred bucks for this uh, I'll have a little fun and then go home and just kind of reflect on it positively. But I've never been compelled to get it myself.
1: That's fair. I do think, though, that VR is incredible. And if you are if you have interest in a, in a PSVR, it's a great headset. It's a little dated now. Um, so I, unless you can get it on a good sale, I would wait till PSVR 2 comes out, for anyone wondering. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be a lot better. It'll be like a single wire, is what they said in details. Uh, but if you get a if you can get a PSVR bundle right now for like two hundred bucks, that's a pretty good steal. So if yeah, that pops I, up, I'd say that's worth it.
0: I would be interested to see the state of the the tech and the games uh, by next Black Friday. I think they would be a good Black Friday uh, purchase because every Black Friday comes around, I buy something I don't need. So PSVR, put that at the top of my uh, my list. Um, moving on. Let's give you i uh, uh, I'm going to give you a little overview of our schedule here, folks, because obviously we've got a couple games to cover this month, um, and uh, a couple other things to talk about. Uh, so right off the top here, easy peasy, Virtua Fighter Five. Obviously, a feature of this uh, this month's PS Plus selections. It's available for members until August eighth. The review for that is uh, you know it's right now. Um, so just be patient. We're 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 getting to it. Next up, Star Wars Squadrons. That's a multiplayer space dogfighting game featuring the iconic ships and characters from the Star Wars franchise. Our review of that game goes live Monday, June 14th, and she'll be available until July 5th. That's the game, not the review. Uh, Third option, Operation Tango. It's a quirky, colorful two-player co-op where one gamer plays a spy and the other plays a hacker. Uh, that's available until July 5th And it seems like a great game From what I've looked at on uh, YouTube, but uh, it's for PS5 uh, We talked about this Sorry, we're not doing A review of that uh, Wait a little longer, maybe until some Sponsorship dollars roll in
1: Spencer, so I have a question Oh, If I'm a subscriber to PS Plus I don't have a PS5 Is there any way I can still claim
0: Operation Tango if I want to play it Later when I get a PS5 Why, certainly, James, all you would have to do is go to the PS Plus menu, uh, highlight Operation Tango, and add it to your library. Uh, From my PS4? From your PS4.
1: I don't know about that, Spencer. I think you'd have to go to your PS Mobile app or the internet and do it from there, because I don't think it would show up on your PS4.
0: Well, Jamie, that's why we have people like you on this podcast. (laughs) So they you can fill in the gaps And uh, remind people that there's actually an app For the PlayStation um, Which is cool So thanks James Thanks for doing that
1: So let me just jump in for everyone Let me just jump in for everyone Um, So you might be wondering Like hey I pay for Plus I don't have a PS5 Anytime a PS5 game comes on Whether you have one or not You can always claim it And then when you buy a PS5 you can still play it As long as you're still subscribed to Plus So don't like when these games come out, don't, don't only claim the ones that you, you're like, oh, I definitely want to play that. This one I'm not sure about. You're already paying for it. Claim all of them. For the PS5 games, go online and, and go to the app or do it through your computer and claim the game. Right? You're already paying for it.
0: Make sure you add it to your collection. Thanks, Spencer. Thank you, James. So back to the schedule. Some of you may have been counting, that that means we'll have a week without uh, a review. Two weeks without reviews. So, this in mind, uh, Big Brain James, uh, as you knew, uh, as you just heard from, came up with a couple ideas. So, Monday, June 21st, we're going to do a little segment called Power Plus. Not to give too much away. It's essentially a couple observations about the world outside PlayStation, uh, franchise IPs, and a little wish list of our own. Throwing us into July, on the 28th, we're going to do another little game called Plus Minus. Aside from being a serviceable pun, well-written James, Plus Minus is two other things. One, a look at some of the best games ever to come out on PlayStation, and two, a chance to roast the shit out of them. So tune into that. That's our comedy episode, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Speaking of roasts, no better segue into Sega's Virtual Fighter Five, to be specific, Virtual Fighter Ultimate Showdown, created by uh Go Gotoku Studios. J- James, did I say that right? Rio Go Gotoku.
1: Uh, probably it's Rio Go or Rio Ga. So uh, if anyone knows, you know, uh, send us a message. All right. Just so we get it right going forward. All right.
0: Uh, Gold star for effort is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Ryoga Gotoku Studios and AM2 Studios, the brains and bronze powering the Yakuza series. And to clarify further, um, just personally, when it comes to fighting games, I'm just a grasshopper. My younger brother, Fraser, and I played Injustice years back, and that was just for the name brand IP. But if you're playing Virtual Fighter, it's not because you just saw the Akira Yuki movie binge the Jeffrey McWilde TV show. No, sir. If you're playing Virtual Fighter, it's because you realized long ago that there is no fun in spam blasting your opponent with Deathstroke Sniper Rifle from across the map. Looking at you, Fraser. <clears throat> Mortal Kombat, Injustice, Soul Calibur. All great series. But their wine is made from vines planted by Sega's AM2 back in 1993. Dynamic lighting, motion capture, hyperrealism These days are just a couple buzzwords thrown around by the likes of people uh, like me, James, and Justin. But back then, it was revelation. Peruse the Wikipedia page. You'll see how these innovations are twofold. You'll see how their innovations are twofold. One... AM2 continually developed on their new ideas, adding new characters, new fighting techniques, and refining those already pioneering technologies. And two, by collecting data from stand-up machines and gamers via online survey, they refined their product by improving character move sheets and tutorial modes, instantly closing the access gap for newcomers. Catch a professional match next time Evo comes around, and you'll know that the only people taking this game more seriously than developers are there diehard fans? And those fans have been very curious, by the way, as to when they can expect number six. Sega boss Seiji Aoki put it pretty bluntly. Quote, Nothing has been decided yet regarding Virtual Fighter 6. But if you ask whether I want to create it or not, I do want to create it. Ultimate Showdown will let us know whether there are demands and potentials for Virtual Fighter. We want to hype it up so it can connect to the next one. End quote. You know, doing an episode, doing this episode kind of feels like circulating a petition to save an old local landmark. Not a lot of people visit it anymore. Uh, There's not much to do when you get there. And frankly, the appeal of it is lost on a younger generation who grew up never knowing the influence it once had. But uh, I just spent a week in that building and talked to people who grew up with it. And I got to be honest with you. If keeping it here means stopping another bland, faceless condo from coming up, then I'm going to ask that you sign the petition. I mean, that's my general impression, guys. What about your experience with the fighting game, James? Ah, uh, with with
1: like fighting games or Virtua this Fighter Five, game. Ultimate Shooter.
0: This game, I should say. Oh, this game. man,
1: uh, Virtua Fighters, like you, you talked about it. Well, Virtua Fighter has been a lo- around for a long time. It's the first 3D fighter. So Mm -hmm. it's the grand day of like Tekken, Soul Calibur, a lot of fighting games that people still really love today. It definitely had a really weird hiatus. So I think for the last iteration of 5 was 2010. So you're right in saying like there's a a much younger generation that most likely never played Virtua Fighter 5. It is actually, funny enough, in uh, the Yakuza games, in one or two of them, I think... There's an arcade version of it in one of the arcades in that
0: game. They have so several guess- versions of the game. Like, it's many different machines with their different versions.
1: Oh, and, and yeah, so in, Yakuza, so in Yakuza, the Yakuza series, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. One thing you can do is that you there's actual, like, in-game arcades you can run to as part of the open world, and they have actual arcade games you can play in there. And one of them is Virtua Fighter 5. So... That was the only way to play it on PS4 up until now, which is I thought was really fascinating. I don't know if it's like a relic in terms of its gameplay mechanics. It's one of the deepest games I've ever played, as far as fighters. I just don't think it's very welcoming to newcomers, despite mm-hmm. uh, things I've read, and I think that's my big issue with it. Yeah, uh, that, oh, I guess definitely. that's
0: what I'll start with. Mm-hmm. Justin, how about you? What was your general impression?
2: Um. I'm coming at it from I'm I'm not a big fighting game guy. Uh, like you mentioned, Mortal Kombat and Soul Calibur. those are pretty much the only fighting games I ever touch. Uh, they're a little more flashy and casual.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, nice to look at, easy to play. Uh, this game is neither of those things to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. It's kind of it seems kind of boring. Like I'm sure we'll get into more detail, but it's just not a not, not a lot of flash. It's it's kind of like a pure fighter, like these characters are all using uh, real-world fighting techniques. So there's no flashy magic moves, there's no weapons getting tossed around. It's all pretty uh, pretty bare bones in terms of that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, in general, not super impressive to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I... Uh, the game itself um i was that was male, and it was cool to to play um given its reputation but i really liked that about the the realistic fighting styles i thought there was a this is i know i at the top of this podcast i said you know video games are a cultural experience now i'm not going to say i came away from this knowing what drunken how to do drunken kung fu but it was cool to watch it it was kind of <laughs> cool to watch a sumo fight uh, in that way, and Jeffrey McWild does this this ancient Greek boxing wrestling. It's like the first form of MMA. Uh, I, I can recall the name of the style right now. That's what impressed me about it. I think was really cool, and and the amount of research that would go into developing um, that kind of gameplay mechanic and those those mm-hmm. that kind of uh, experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, uh, I mean. Was there anything else that uh, you guys felt a sense of immersion from? Um, it's pretty bare bones, but uh, I did really like the environments. I thought there was something immersive about that.
1: Uh, I mean, so I think that there's like probably four or five different ways to approach this kind of game, depending on who you are and your and what kind of games you play. Keep in mind that none of us are like hardcore fighting game players. Like if you want to hear about frame frame rate delay inputs netcode balancing for all these characters, you probably won't find that from us as we talk about this today. So if you're one of those people, I encourage you to go to YouTube and listen to Maximilian Dude. He's a YouTuber. He he's the guy I always go to to find out the more technical, nuanced uh, competitive fighting elements, and he's been covering Virtua Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown for the last few weeks. So. If you're, if you're here for that, that's probably a better place. We're definitely approaching this kind of conversation as people who have casually played fighters. I'm, I've played more fighters than, I think, Spencer and Justin personally, but I, by no means am I some sort of technical marvel or I have that deep, complex understanding of the mechanics. So I just want to give that kind of PSA for anyone listening. That this is this is really meant for someone who... Like, this kind of conversation is for someone who maybe has played one or two fighters or is new to fighting games and is just curious, like, can I jump in and play this game sort of thing. So I'll just... I'll start with that.
0: <laughs> right. So did you feel there was a sense of immersion at all uh, as a layman, non-fighting fan?
1: No. <laughs> not really.
0: No. Uh, Fair enough.
1: But, but that's... I, I think with fighting games, that's not really, like what they're trying to accomplish, at least in the traditional sense, like, like something like uh, The Last of Us 2, right? Part 2. It's really trying to immerse you in that world with its narrative experience, the way you control the character. Fighting games are really meant to almost they're almost meant to be puzzle games in a sense, right? You, there's these deep mechanics, combos, strategies that you learn from each character and then you face off against another and you work on these strategies and puzzles of figuring out these characters to see who's better. And if you're interested in that, then Virtua Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown is perfect for you. Like, it's the deepest fighter mechanically I've ever seen. It's overwhelming, almost. Um, if you look at the command list, it just goes on forever. And then you realize there's like four more columns. And I was like, holy shit, I'm never going to learn all this. So it was overwhelming for me.
0: I mean, so initially, you wouldn't call it a sense of immersion, but there is a way to immerse yourself within it. Uh, I would think, you know, within this this puzzle, you describe it as these complex, mecha- these complex techniques. Um, yeah, like if, if it's how you... Practice, uh, yeah.
1: Hmm? It's how you view immersion, I think. like, hmm. I, I think when people say immersion about games nowadays, I think like, oh, how much do I feel like I'm in the game sort of thing, right? How much does that bring me into... Whatever it's it's trying to emulate, whereas I don't I don't think fighting games really do that. I don't think that's like the what they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what I think like oh I don't think it's immersive, but I also think it's not trying to really be immersive in that sense. It's it's more it's it's like a traditional gaming experience. I don't know how else to put it. Mm.
0: No I no I I like your idea of there are different kinds of immersion. Right. Obviously uh, I I think back to my gaming tastes are all about the adventure of it. That's why I'm a big fan of Skyrim. I really enjoyed the new Red Dead, uh, Horizon, all these these exotic places, um, incredible art, and um, just just boundless wilderness, um, you know, that you can kind of see in the distance, that kind of thing. I mean, that's a sense of immersion. Another sense of immersion, I think you could argue, is like progression systems or... or um, Character skins, um, you know RPG kind of stats, that kind of thing. obviously, the these games, this game lacks that kind of progression system. But I guess you just have to reconfigure the idea to, well, progressing in this game is just beating more of your opponents than you did before
2: yeah i think I think a big part of fighting games is just like like people who are. Real fans of fighting games, uh, the whole the whole thing is just mastering the mechanics, and I guess that's where you would get your "quote unquote" immersion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just spending that time to master those mechanics and uh, the competitive nature of that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm with Justin, right? I, and I think that's why when when you
1: talk about fighting games, like when people play fighting games now, it's uh, your approach is very different, right? Your mindset for playing them is so different because it, it doesn't follow a lot of um, the classic uh, modern video game experience, and, uh, and maybe that's why Virtual Fighter it seems so jarring as a game because you come into the menu right? And, you know, the menu, you're expecting, okay, I have all these different things I can do. Oh, what's the story? What's the narrative? And you realize, oh, no, this is like a bare-bones, pure just gameplay experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I think that just immediately turns off a lot of people from fighting games. I, I know it turned me off to, initially turned me off to Street Fighter, like, a long time ago. And then someone told me, like, no, no, like, that's not the joy of these games. Like, let me show you. And it, it's it's really about like fighting games in general. Are really about mastering mechanics, like Justin says, um, figuring out your opponent's patterns, finding out which character works for you, and like learning new strategies as things are balanced or patched. Like that's the real joy of it, right? Is is you're kind of figuring out systems mm-hmm. and seeing how they work to to your advantage. Um, and so the like, yeah, you could call that immersion. I see it almost as, like, practice and training. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure anyone who, like, is a professional fighting game player who goes to Evo every year, you know, someone like Daigo or Justin Wong, they probably see it as training, too. Versus, it, which is something you don't think about a lot in video games sometimes. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm training. I'm mastering these mechanics.
0: Anyways. No, that's true. Uh, and it, 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 I think it takes it back to the old arcade days. Right Where you would have to go to that place, spend that time um literally you know bricking out your taking out a, a slot of your day to just get better at this thing. um it's not as as much to to have fun, it's just to succeed in it um so i I, I see what you mean in that it 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 does turn people off because it's it's different. It goes back to the the com- the very competitive essence of video games is just kind of uh, the couch, uh, couch rivalry. What's the opposite of couch co-op? Couch uncooperative, or whatever.
1: Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess like yes, oh, online, right? Online, online rivalry. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> uh, I now? Do, I. Oh, sorry. I I do want like I we've talked a little bit of an overview of fighting games. I do kind of want to just go through. If you boot up Virtua Fighter 5, what's it going to look like? What do you mean it's hard to play? What do you mean it's bare bones? Uh, I just want to explain that really quickly, just very concretely. So when you go on this game for, and this is going to be really jarring if you've never played a fighting game. The main menu is basically, there's a tutorial mode, there's a training mode with some challenges for specific characters. There's an arcade mode that is the most bare bones arcade mode I think I've played in a very long time. And then there's, like, online rank match and room match. And there's really nothing else as far as gameplay modes. So I want to, for people jumping in, I want to make it very clear. If you're like, oh, I, I can't wait to find out about Akira Yuki's story in Virtua Fighter 5. The story <laughs> is that he 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 erased the story and you're just playing the game. <laughs> uh which is not abnormal for fighting games right now, right? It's, mm. it's, uh, it's a thing. I think Street Fighter really... I would like to believe Street Fighter seemed to really champion this idea, but I'm, I'm not sure if it was them. I just seemed to always see it from them, is like bare-bones stories with just like a cute little arcade mode and, uh, and play the game and shut up kind of thing. Um, so I want to preface that. I also... I I don't want to be the only one talking here, but I also know my experience with fighting games is, like, a little more than everyone else. So, I'm just going to explain one more thing, I'm going to throw it to Justin. So, I want to explain that the tutorial here is one of the most confusing tutorials for any fighter I've ever played as well. It's very poorly explained. It's actually pretty challenging. Like, my thumb started hurting near the end. And, uh... It's probably the first time that I actually had to stop and be like, "I'm going to come to back to the tutorial later," because I was getting near uh, evasion parts near the end, and I'm like, "This shouldn't be so challenging. This is through the tutorial," and I want to ask Justin, like, what is your experience with the tutorial? Because mine was horrendous.
2: Yeah, it was. There were parts of it that were confusing as hell. Um, I got to a point where you had to like do like an air combo or something on on the dummy. And I don't know if it was just the character I was using or what, but I just could not figure out how to do it. Like, you had to do five combos worth, like, 35 damage or something like that. Um, and I was just attacking this fucking dummy with, to no avail. Um, I, like, I, I'd go into the uh the move list, and there's nothing in there that says, like, oh, this is going to pop the guy into the air, and then you can follow it up. You just have to keep trying every single goddamn move in that extensive as hell list. And hopefully, eventually, you figure it out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I got to the point where I just, figured it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just eventually gave up.
0: Well, but eventually, that, that goes beyond the tutorial phase. At that point, you're literally trying to build combos on your own, or at least find moves that pair well together that takes out a, a, a half a bar or something. And some of them mm-hmm. do. Holy cow! If you play as the ninja, and his name escapes me right now, but there is a move where the opponent's lying on the ground, and you just knee them in the head, uh, and it is nearly half a half a bar. Uh, <laughs> it 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 punishes um, it punishes mistakes hard. This game, there's no denying that. Yeah,
1: I, I so I did figure out the combo, but I, I I remember there was another thing that took me forever to figure out that Justin figured out quickly, which was like. You know, the it was one of the tutorials was like offensive moves where essentially you have to have this weird rhythm by pressing up and L2, like in an odd succession for it to be successful. And I remember that took me forever. The combo, I think I got him to the wall and was able to just hit him up and got the, I think it was 35,000 damage or 35 damage. Uh, it gets worse, Justin, as the tutorial yeah. goes on though. <laughs> Once you get to, um, there's this one part of the tutorial that I was just like, I was shook by. I'm like, no beginner will be able to do this. It took me, I think, mm-hmm. about 15 minutes. And generally, when you do tutorial, each part should take you probably a minute or two. And it had you like, it, they basically said like, we're either going to hit you or we're gonna try and grab you, and it's two different button combinations to block either of those. And it said you have to five times in a row guess what we're doing. And if you get one wrong, you go back to zero five, and it took Jesus me forever. And I, when I finally got it, I was like, "Oh my fucking god! Thank God!" But yeah, it was so hard. And you know, anyone listening who's like, "Oh, James, yeah, yeah, it's because he never plays any of your fighters." Listen, fuckers, I've played Street <laughs> Fighter Four, IV. I've played Blaze Blue, I played Guilty Gear, I played Persona Four Arena, I've played Street Fighter Cross Tekken, I've played Guilty Gear XR Rev Two. I think I mentioned Guilty Gear, but I played a few of those. Marvel vs. Capcom, I think I've played 3, Ultimate, and in, uh, Infinite, which is much worse than the others, but it's still pretty fun, I think. And me and Justin have played Smash, although I know that will revoke my fighting game card if I mention that.
0: What is it? Where is there a bias <laughs> to Smash? Smash? Is there something like, is there an elitism against Smash? What's the problem with Smash?
1: there's no problem with smash i but imagine coming on and being like oh i'm into fighting games i've played smash it's not a it's not an accurate representation so it gets a lot of heat for that because it's it's like anyone can play smash but it doesn't mean you understand how fighting games work right yeah, i think that's where I, the, the stigma comes from
0: i oppose elitism anywhere so I, I i i think it's unfortunate and i you know i i couldn't speak much more on the culture but uh <laughs> let people in it's more fun that way. Uh, that's the way I see it. Um, I want to piggyback off of James's point, though, everybody's point about this tutorial thing, right? You you land five of these five hit combos, then you're dropped into a real combat scenario, uh, and things get exponentially harder. You know, in that tutorial mode, when you finish the five five hit combos, it didn't sound like you finally achieved fun at that point. It just felt like an accomplishment rolling that into a real battle scenario is that where we're going to find the fun in this um i mean how 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 long does it take for this game to get fun i think is the question i'm trying to ask
2: justin you go first on this one for me it never did um this game is super like it's super niche and hardcore which is just not my thing for fighting games um, so the fun was just never there for me like I'd, I'd land the odd combo I think me and Jamie played me and James played a few uh, few matches against each other and kind of went back and forth but I never really knew what I was doing I was just doing things that seemed like they might work and sometimes they did which just wasn't satisfying <laughs> it was just like oh that something happened okay Um. but yeah and like it's just for me, it just never got there.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it just ca- I can't help but feel uh, if you're a fan of Virtual Fighter Five, you've played at least four. You know, it it feels like it has to be a long-standing love, or or something inherited, almost like a an older brother, sister, mom, dad, whatever taught you this, and then you just kind of carry it forth. It feels like it's it's born out of habit. More than, uh, say, curiosity at this mm-hmm.
1: point. Mm. I'm going to disagree with you both, oh, on this respectfully. But it's personal opinion for sure. Like you know, uh, I really didn't like the mechanics of this game when I started it, particularly because I I have like a weird. There's a certain type of like combo inputs that I enjoy, and oddly enough, Street Fighter seems to have it uh, with the quarter circle Hadoken kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I don't like the, and so I don't like Mortal Kombat that much. Is a lot of the inputs for like uh, combos or special moves are like, like not just left, right, or you know, in, in between like back crouch, right crouch, uh, front crouch, up crouch, etc. Like I don't like those for inputs. So when I saw it for this game, I had the same thing. I'm like, oh, it's this garbage again. Like I hate doing these inputs without an arcade stick. But. As I started kind of doing the different characters, because if you there's training right, this tutorial there's also mm-hmm. like character training challenges, so they'll they'll actually show you like do this move, do this move, yada yada yada, to kind of help you train some of the combos and the differences between each character. And the first thing I noticed is each character is actually so much different in how they play and what their inputs are and their kind of movements. Uh, and I'm sure that's partly because obviously the real world martial arts. Style, but it also immediately clicked for me. I'm like, oh my god, they meticulously crafted these characters. This isn't like, and I do like Smash, um, and I'm only using this example because it's the one we've probably all played. All Smash characters have different moves, and some of them feel relatively different from each other, but in general, you kind of have the same kind of thing, right? You dash left and right, up and down, B is your special move, etc. It, it, there's, there's very similar fluid movement in some ways. These, I would play... uh, Oh, My best example is, there was a guy named Go who did judo, and his inputs and the way he moved was so much different than even Akira Yuki, or I think it was Kagamaru as the ninja, that that blew my mind. I was like, oh my god, how much time did they spend on each of these characters? That's insane.
0: Yeah, Go is one of the newer characters, too. Um, Yeah, I think he was four. I think he was four. Yeah, and judo itself is more about reversing your opponent's momentum um, than striking. Uh, so it, it would make sense, and maybe to some some players who are uh, say, more defensive or reactive than active, it would it would certainly uh, follow suit. But I can't help but feel, you know, uh, amateurs in this game would have a hard time trying to go uh, somebody playing Judo, like, like trying to be more defensive or trying to um, use the more niche mechanics of the game to play it. um it feels like it was made for the fans, you know? I, uh, I wonder how many... The, the character Go was made for the fans, and I wonder how many omissions have been made to the new peoples, or at least what, what characters they may have tried to make as omissions to the new peoples, you know?
1: Uh, I'm going to push back on that. Uh, I think um, Go, in particular, was a very nuanced character. I had a lot of success in some of the rank matches with him, and this is like... Like, Keep in mind that Ultimate Showdown is a game that Virtua Fighter Fighters had like three iterations. It's very balanced. It's one of those games where each character actually feels pretty balanced. And there just seems to be so much thought put into each character. Um, Mostly when we talk about new characters and fighters, a lot of the thought is put into the character design. So it's appealing. Um, Street Fighter is very guilty of this. Mortal Kombat might be the most guilty of this. (laughs) Not to knock. I know everyone. a lot of people like MK. Uh, what I really enjoyed about Virtual Fighter is that it seems like, okay, yeah, the character designs aren't that flashy. Yes, the mo- there's no Hadouken coming out of my Akira Yuki, even though he looks a lot like Ryu, and I want the fireball to come out. Uh, <laughs> but there's just so much nuance to the mechanics. And at first, it feels, and it still does, it feels really overwhelming. Like When I look through the command list, I'm like, holy shit, this is going to take forever. But it's also kind of awe inspiring. And so once I spent more time with, you, with a character or two and I went into the ranked matches and I saw like a combo go off, it reminded me of why I like fighting games where it's like, oh, you practice, practice, and then you get to see like something fucking sick happen when you play a game. And Virtual Fighter has that. Okay. I know we also so- talk, it's like niche. We also talk like it's a niche fighting mechanic, it's a niche game. It's, it's not for amateurs. And I get that to a point, right? It's not like Knockout City or apex legends or fortnite you can jump in play and immediately like oh i can win oh i can have fun oh like yeah this is this is super accessible but uh you know how do amateurs become good at the game they spend the time with the training they they find something you like about it and then they get to see the fruits of their labor
0: okay and so i think the yeah. i think the inevitable question then becomes what's the point of the, the point of diminishing returns between effort and fun um how much time as i tried to ask i think a two minutes ago, how much time does it take for this to start being fun and is it worth that amount of time? Uh, Most people work a nine-to-five, right? You need eight hours of sleep. Not counting obligations like kids or pets or house maintenance, social. Maybe you get five hours a day. So, if you were to put in an hour a day, how many days do you think... You know what? I'll I'll post this to Justin just as a hypothetical. If you were to put an hour a day into this game, how long do you think? How many days do you think it would take for it to actually kind of get good, for you to get good? For
2: me, if I were to really put in the effort to try to learn like a specific character, I could maybe figure like and maybe be passable in like a week. Oh. But I think that's going to something like that is probably going to change from person to person, like mm-hmm. depending on your yeah. experience and your desire to get good at this. Like, yeah, I, don't,
0: yeah. I mean, you you are a storied gamer, man. Um, no doubt. I think there's certain soft skills that pass over when you just play video games for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, like your ability, you know, if you walk into a room, you see a bunch of power ups, health and a save point. You're like, oh, well, that's a boss coming up. That just that's yeah. instinct comes with time. Uh, Jamie, how long would it take you for for you to get passably good and have fun at this game? Um, hour a day. Uh, I'm kind of with Justin in that it, it, this this varies person to
1: person. Like, for example, yes, Justin is kind of a hardened veteran of video games, but the set of skills and kind of muscle memory you have with fighting games is different than most other games. Like, uh for example, just certain button inputs and combos, There, there's some games that they're like, like fighting games that they kind of are very similar. So a lot of the, the special button and combos in Blaze uh can be really similar to some of the ones in Street Fighter, just with the way they're basically executed. And so that makes it I would be faster at getting something like that. With Virtua Fighter, it's interesting because it's a three-button fighter, so it sounds like really simple, Compared to something that is like a six-button fighter, which is it's more common. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what like getting good at this game would look like. As far as having fun, I'm having fun with the game now. I think it's like I had fun playing today, even though Justin was going ugh between every match. I was like, yeah, fucker, take it, take my monkey kung fu style. Like <laughs> I love that stuff. Uh, so I, that's your charm, I don't Jamie. Know. Uh, You know, like I said, fighters are a different breed. Yeah?
0: No, I could... Sure. Uh, Obviously, button combos vary. I think what I'm trying to say is that the certain acuity, dexterity, that comes with playing video games gives you a a little better grip of things. Yeah, you need to learn it mentally. But at least the physical tools are there. Like, you know, a football player adapting to rugby football player adapting to rugby would do better than, say, a tennis player adapting to rugby?
1: Uh, like, yes. I guess I'm, I'm just trying to make sure there's this distinction that, like... And Justin, I feel like you'd agree with me on this. Being good at something like Fortnite or a shooter, you can play other shooters or other action games, and, like, things fall into the motion. But to then go to a fighter, it plays so differently, and the way you have to move your controller is so different that it, almost, it does feel like you're starting as a beginner a lot of the time. In a way that like when I play something like Knockout City, oh, okay, L2 to catch. All right, well, I just have to work on the timing. Oh, I move my character like I would any third-person game. Right, is fight, fighting games just seem to be such like their own genre these days and more and more catered to a specific crowd that it, I don't know how transferable the skills are from someone who doesn't play fighters to fighters. What do you think, Justin?
2: Yeah, I, fighters. Fighting games are definitely, definitely a, a set apart. Um, there is something to be able to recognize uh, just mechanics of a game and how to manipulate those to your advantage. And I think I think that's a skill that could be transferable um, as just something from playing a lot of games and seeing stuff like that. Um, fighting games are definitely, especially this one. There's just a, an extra level of complexity to it, though. Um, that makes it that much harder. That to make it take that much longer to get a grip of it.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it like it depends what kind of person you are. If you like that challenge, if that's something that's really interesting to you, uh, by all means, like fighters are great. This is also an awkward one because I'd say this is probably the most complex fighter that I've ever seen. <laughs> Like, even when I compare it to Tekken, Street Fighter, you know, the other big names, this is, like, a whole other level of complexity and depth
0: mm-hmm. that
1: is, can be really overwhelming. So I think that makes it hard to recommend this if it's your first time playing a fighting game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, we talk a lot about the gameplay, um, which is obviously the, the, the most important aspect of this game. But what about the, the fringe elements? You know, what do we all think about the uh, the art style, environment, um? Maybe even haptic feedback in the controllers, that kind of thing.
2: What about what,
0: uh, <laughs> what? What's the term I'm looking for? You know, if there's rumble or whatever.
2: No, that's right. I'm just uh, to that point specifically. There is none. This is one of the things I noticed immediately playing the game. Um, it, it it ties into the sound effects as well. The sound effects sound like they're coming out of a '90s game. Hmm. Um, and then when you're hitting when you're hitting your enemy, there's no sensory feedback into the controller. There's no rumble. There's nothing really that makes you feel like you're actually doing anything. Um, So, yeah, like those two things together made it really unsatisfying to me uh, to begin with.
0: Yeah, Uh, I mean, the certain trimmings and again, I think after playing video games for a while, these are things you notice, um, especially when they're lacking. Uh, a number of the um, dress rehearsals and kind of practice episodes we did uh, really went into that. It, we, we played games of, of varying, differing pedigrees. Um, and, and it's certainly noticeable. Uh, and it certainly was here. Um, one thing, I guess that's just a, something that drags behind, or at least is, is, is seen as periphery when it comes to um, this game's integral experience. Jamie, what about you? Arts, sounds, haptics, what did you think?
1: Well, like, uh, for anyone knowing that the biggest change that's happened is the, the visuals, right? So that's how Ryu, uh, Ryuga Gotoku, I might have said it wrong as well, apologies. Um, that's why they were brought in with AM2, because they, they gave uh, all the characters, some more than others, kind of a facelift. So uh, I would say some of the updated character models look good. I, uh, by no means is this like, cutting edge uh, graphics whatsoever, but they look nice. It's a nice upgrade. I looked at some of the final showdown, which was the last iteration on PS3, and pretty much all the characters look a lot better. The backgrounds look nice. They're serviceable. Uh, I, don't, I, I checked. I wasn't able to find if any like the gameplay mechanics were actually changed. So what we're probably playing is essentially the exact same game mechanic-wise as it was in 2010, which is uh, to me by no means a, a bad thing. Uh, music is alright I'm with Justin that I would have definitely liked Some rumble here and there it, I thought that was an odd thing to, to Kind of leave out um, Maybe may, you know, maybe it's somewhere In the settings and we don't know I didn't really check mm. That being said there's not a lot of things explained In this game in general uh, So I, When I think of like periphery like The more ancillary ele- elements It's hard for me to really digest them all And talk about them because so much stuff was not explained well in this game. Uh, my greatest example today is uh, me and Justin were checking out the room match feature. So you can go and create like a private online room, and then other people can join in. You can kind of chat. You can set pre- preset messages. Uh, you can do stamps so people can see thumbs up or thumbs down. But there's also these kinds of matches, like uh, there's a league match, normal match, uh, there's one called a kumite, uh, kumite match. And for the life of me, I don't understand what it is. <laughs> we tried playing it to be like, oh, what will this do? <laughs> Still couldn't figure out. And there's no yeah. manual for to figure it out to tell mm. me. So that made me feel very much like alienated from the audience, that this is uh, the demographic this is going for. So that kind of sucked. As far as mm.
2: the, finding the room, too. Just like the, the online features in general of this game are... Very lacking. It feels like a very old game in that way. They're very dated. Uh, like, or like when you when you create the room, I have to go in and like set like a couple filters, and I just have to keep refreshing the page because I can't just search for my friend's room or something like that. I can't search for a specific username. I just have to keep refreshing and hoping you eventually pop up on the screen. So yeah, that, that I remember that.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't Yeah, I didn't get that either. And, you know, if there is some way to do it, it's not explained. And I think that's yeah. maybe the biggest issue that I have with this game is I'm cool with a bare-bones fighting game, but explain what we can and can't do and let us have a resource to find out. Uh, even creating the room, like, there's a lot of things, like all these different options, and they aren't well explained, so you're kind of like, oh, okay, you know, I'll, I'll click this thing and see what happens. Uh, <laughs> so that shouldn't be up to the player to have to figure out dumb little ancillary nuance stuff that you could easily explain with like a, a resource library manual, like an online manual. Like there, There's so many things that with that that I had issue with as well, Justin. So we'll
0: see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I, I found peculiar about that main menu is the, the biggest square, I guess, the biggest thing you can select is a, uh, a view of other people playing the game. Uh, almost like a Twitch screen, and it was super entertaining, and uh, it gave me an idea of of what many weeks or or whatever else of practice could do. Um, but speaks to what they feel of the the appeal of the game is 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 not only in playing it but watching it. Um, and and boy, if you ever catch a match, it's it's really uh, high flying, high paced stuff that you know one mistake and you lose um, everything. I guess uh, money in terms of these evo matches. Did you guys watch any virtual matches?
1: I can go first on this. Yeah, I I did. Uh, I I love that feature. And it's funny this I think the project name for this this release was Virtua Fighter Cross Esports. So very obviously this game was made with the idea of of esports in mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um and and to that I think it was pretty cool. Like I like you said, like you said Spencer, I'd be on the main menu and then I'd see a match come up and I'd watch it. And I love watching Evo. Not all the games do I like watching as much as others. I don't like watching Mortal Kombat. Sorry.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> well, um uh, it's you know, it's not bad. It's just like I said, it's not for me. Um, but uh, games like Virtua Fighter, Tekken, Street Fighter that are kind of like you're not going into like 40-second combos that go on forever. They're a lot more fun to watch, because it all comes into, like, almost a metagame, and a reading of strategies, and it feels less like a, oh, you missed one thing, I'm going to combo you for 40 seconds, look how good I am at putting in the inputs. Mm. So, stuff like that, uh, that's why I think Virtue Fighter is pretty cool, is, is the, those matches don't feel like endless combo streams, and that's how you
0: lose. Mm. What about you, Justin? Do you catch any of the uh, the online matches to watch? Uh i don't
2: think i really took full advantage of that feature uh james and i did, did do a like a league match this morning uh so we had like two randoms in the room and we had to like face off against them and then there was a, a point where obviously they had to face off against each other so I had to sit there and watch that and that was interesting because they were both obviously way better than we were <laughs> um mm-hmm. but but for me like esports don't doesn't hold a lot of uh I'm not, I'm not a big fan of esports. I don't really, it's not something I spend my time doing watching. Um, so that, that sort of aspect of it doesn't appeal to me. And maybe that's partly why I'm not having a huge, like a super good time with this game. Cause it definitely does feel like it's geared towards that kind of crowd.
1: Yeah. yeah and, and that might be the disparity between me and Justin. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'm like not big on esports in general, but I love watching fighting games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just fascinating to me. And even uh, those two guys, when we watched them fight today, I could tell Justin was like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, fucking kill him. Let's see who's going to win. Oh, look at this guy. And I, we were, I was talking about how when you play fighting games, you can kind of tell other people's experience, even if you only played them more casually like me. So there was one dude who you could tell had clearly spent a ton of time in training doing nothing but like perfecting a combo or one or two combos. Like, uh, what like, we call them B&Bs, bread and butter combos. It's kind of like the basic kind of combo you would do in any given situation. It's just, like, it's it's used for everything. And you could tell this guy had practiced maybe two of those. And he executed them well, but then the le- the rest of his game sense was way off. Like, he wasn't really blocking well. His positioning was kind of weird or too aggressive. And the guy he was going against, who was clearly, like, the highest level player, he was a- he wasn't doing, like combo after combo after combo, he was just kind of like reading and faking this other dude and just completely demoralizing him uh, with his game sense. So I love watching that kind of thing because once you see those nuances, you realize like just how cool and deep these games are. And so that that kind of was fun for me today.
0: Mm. You know, I was watching um, not long ago uh, the Leafs play against the Habs Close out the series. Uh, another disappointing year for Toronto, or as we would know it, another year for Toronto. Um, and 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 to me, the exciting part was the playoff atmosphere—that it was tied up, um, and that the you know obviously this was do or die time. And watching the virtual matches on my screen was okay. But going and and looking at old Evo playthroughs, I think was more compelling to me. I think this is the kind of game you know, if you're a Jamie, then you can see the stakes anywhere, and you can see the 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 hard work and you you know the game sense anywhere. Um if you're a justin, you you kind of see just a game being played. The, when you're put into these tournament circumstances, it gets entertaining. It's just entertainment. Then you don't entirely understand what it is you're watching or looking at, but you're certainly like having fun with it, and uh, that I can abide by. Know what I mean?
1: I'm, I'm totally with you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. and
1: I, I think it's safe to say like virtual fighter is probably not the place you want to start as your first fighter. It's oh, really no. it. It's really not. It's 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 not meant for that, Um, yeah. And and Mm -hmm. so I think you'd be doing a disservice to yourself to play this game first before trying any other fighters. And then because I'm worried you people would write off fighters forever after this game, right? And Mm -hmm. that uh, so what so what I did over the last few days to kind of compare it is I downloaded all the past fighting games I had and tried them all out each and tried out Virtue Fighter to just kind of give an idea of like oh what is like a really good fighting game to start with. Um, other than Smash Bros, which you should play regardless. <laughs> it's just a really fun game. But mm-hmm. if you really want to get into like I think a like traditional fighting game, the two that I really think are the best to start with are Tekken Seven for the p s four. Tekken's really off the wall. It has a similar art style to Virtual Fighter, but it's much more like crazy and wild. Like you can play as a big panda who beats the shit out of people to give you an mm. idea. Uh, and it's easy to like jump into. Like it doesn't. It's really deep, but it doesn't like make you feel like you can't have fun until then. And then the other one I would bring up. I want to say Street Fighter Cross Tekken, but it's not available on PS4. Uh, I really like that game though because it's just easy to jump into. It's tag team. But I would say Street Fighter Four, Ultra Street Fighter Four, would be the other one I would want to jump into. Like if you've never played a fighter, Ultra Street Fighter Four is a great one to start with. It teaches you kind of like the basics of just how to approach a fighting game. There's a decent tutorial mode. You'll get to do fun shit really early on. There's a lot of characters that seem cheap for basic people, and I know people love button mashing that shit. So like Dalsam, you can extend his arms to the other end of the mm-hmm. fucking screen. People love to spam that move. Um, so yeah, I want to leave it at that because I, I do agree with Justin and even and you too, Spencer, that like if you don't play fighting games, this is like potentially the worst one to start with. If you like fighting games, this is a good one to to try out. That's what I'll leave it at.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, inevitably, I'm playing video games for the splendor of it, um, for the, uh, the cool visual expressions. And I think that's a part of my Mm. appeal with, you know, the realistic fighting styles and I, you know, the environments were okay. But, um, that just means it it was a sandwich of really good bread. (laughs) Inevitably, um, Ah, uh, the gameplay is what constitutes the the great deal of its appeal. and uh, and I guess, yeah, for for laymans like us, it's just less attainable, you know um let's 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 just move back a bit. let's let's get into something a little more fun. Uh, I want to talk about the characters in a in a kind of in their their personality sense. we We talk a lot about their fighting styles. We haven't mentioned anything about story um because there is none, really. but these these characters are still just kind of funny to look at, and and they're not stereotypes, but um, I think they're damn close. Uh, my personal favorite is uh, uh, Brad Burns, the kick fighter, um, who always dresses like he uh, stole a couple items out of Guy Fieri's closet, um, and just has this very like funny in your face attitude where he 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 strings two kind of um cliche statements together like different cliches like uh (laughs) like he'll say it's good to be on top baby (laughs) it just it takes away some of the the dramatic stakes for me because i was like he's not taking this seriously so why should i you know uh yeah brad burns uh my hero um and uh and a guy I'd want backing me up in a dark alley. What about you, Justin? Who who would you want on your team in your corner?
2: I honestly didn't spend a whole lot of. I skipped through a lot of the, like intro scenes, um, just because there there wasn't a lot to them. Like, the, and they were from the ones I did here, they were cheesy as hell. Yeah, it was just for me, kind of detracts a bit. I thought it was kind of silly. Uh, so yeah there wasn't really anything that stuck out to me in that way I did think it's a little a little maybe there's a setting for it but like uh, the non-English characters there's no subtitles for what they're saying mm-hmm. which I thought was a little uh, like why is he talking then <laughs> if I don't
0: know what he's saying um, so yeah very true and I wish I had gotten some um, translations before the podcast, mm-hmm. so I could at least see. Well, maybe it's just they can't write American characters, um, but they do have some compelling. Who, for all we know, you know, the Suma has a very compelling backstory about his father or something, but he's just <laughs> angrily yelling Japanese at me. Yeah. So. Uh, James' favorite character, go.
2: Uh
1: I mean to. Pl- I didn't really like as far as I guess like the the stereotypical quality of the characters. I didn't. Really, have a chance to think about it too much. Maybe I should more. Uh, my favorite character to play was Eileen. I really liked the. I think she was like kind of monkey kung fu style, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, I, I did a similar uh, thing as far as you know, no subtitles and stuff for the, the translation. But that could be a settings that I just didn't check out. Definitely something I like though is that even though some of this seems like really ridiculous, it's very peak like arcade game stuff. Like, I remember going to the arcades when I was a kid. And then two years ago, I went to Japan and went to the Sega arcades, one of them. It was, like, nine floors. And the just that kind of appeal of, like, every character is off the wall or, or like, kind of odd in their approach, I thought is really funny because it's very much from, like, a tactic of we have, like, three minutes to get your attention and play this game. Like, let's just get some, like... Really, like, uh, visually odd-looking characters. Um, so I think of it from that perspective, and that kind of makes more sense to me. I know a few years ago, Street Fighter had, like, the same issue where people were saying it's too stereotypical, etc. Like, it's, it's not um, very modern or progressive. But I guess some, one thing to remember is, like, all these, all these games came initially in arcades, right, where saying something outrageous or really weird and cheesy Gets your attention probably better than some guy with a long soliloquy that's like very well spoken.
0: That's a Anyways. fair point.
2: Yeah, yeah. to um, grab your attention from across the arcade kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and and mm. Street Fighter, uh, sorry, not Street Fighter, Virtua Fighter really is that right? Like this, this is an arcade game that's been ported mm-hmm. to uh, to consoles, and I, I guess for them, like that was that's the best way to keep that pure experience is to you know maybe. Keep the the odd character lines or um, the the stereotypical outfits or character designs as well. There, um, I remember there was like in one of the old Street uh, Virtual Fighters. There's like a quest mode, and when you think quest mode in like a video game, you think like I'm going on a journey to save the world. But the quest mode for Virtua Fighter was you're a dude at home and you go to the Sega arcade and you battle people in Virtua Fighter. So <laughs> give you an idea of like. That's the mentality of, I guess, the development of this game is, like, they know it's an arcade game. They know it's meant for people in arcades. So I guess they want to preserve that would be my defense of this game. Mm. I don't know. Very fair.
0: No, and uh, frankly, I'm going to seize on it because there's really no better segue than to talking about the company itself. Um, Obviously, having made its its big name in stand-up arcade games, done a lot of its innovations through that, I think when the hardware was clunkier enough to uh, to facilitate those kind of things, uh, but Sega itself today, I think, may be a, a a far cry from what people perceived of it when they looked at the machines uh, in arcades. You know, I, from a general standpoint, and this is just me, the the layman gamer, Joe Schmo. Uh, Sega gives me this impression that it's kind of like Nintendo, where they seem to be banking off of these successful IPs. Um, continually rehashing and reiterating them, you know, any amount of the uh, Mario Legend of Zelda games. Uh, obviously, this is the fourth iteration of a of a um Virtua fighter. Uh, and Sonic, of course, we cannot discount how Sonic is uh, perennially released in some cases. um but both companies, Sega and Nintendo, were both revelational, and they had in- incredible impacts on the industry at large. but it it we're, we're, we're getting this sense that they don't have that impact as much anymore. At least I do. You know? Um, so I'd definitely love to hear what you guys, who aren't, say, the passive video game consumer like me, what you guys are thinking of as Sega, or how you perceive them. You know, James, why don't you go first?
1: Uh, so I'm definitely the resident Sega fan. Probably oh, yeah. Here, part of everyone. Yeah. You're the control
0: um... group here, buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I mean, like, if if you've come to my apartment, I've got a Genesis Mini. I've got I ordered all the Game Gear minis from Japan. Uh, I have a Sonic statue from the Mania pre-order. I have like a lanyard from from like the official 60th Sega anniversary that shows all the different consoles. I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty into Sega as far as like um, a lot of the older games they did, I guess. As far as their impact on the industry, I think it just started diminishing. Um, like it obviously diminished after they they butted out of home console sales, right? After the Dreamcast discontinued, sure. they still have a massive presence, particularly in Japan. Not as much in the U.S. with um, arcades, though. So, like all the biggest arcades in Japan are Club Sega, Sega World arcades, right? Uh, and when I when I was there, uh, you'd you'd see Sega arcades everywhere, and Virtua Fighter is obviously like reminiscent of that. That's that's one of their big arcade titles. Um, but yeah, it's they've definitely diminished as a company. I mean, uh, we could go into Sonic, which I know everyone loves to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, yeah, as a company as a whole, they're slowly continuing to diminish. I think as far as quality, um, like like what's the best way to put it? As far as like the quality and the pedigree of their quality as video game developers, it's been diminishing for a long time.
0: Uh, Say legitimacy, would that be a good word? Uh,
1: Pedigree. I think their pedigree as a as a as a quality game developer has been diminishing for a while.
0: Mm. Yeah, Justin, you said you weren't much of a, a big, you weren't a huge Sega fan. So, I mean, how do you perceive them in the marketplace right now?
2: Uh, I mean, to me, they're just another developer at this point. Um, They don't really do anything spectacular or innovative anymore. Uh, As far as I'm aware, they're like, they pretty much just release like Yakuza and Sonic these days. And Mm -hmm. I know it's basically Yakuza anyways, to me, I'm not an expert. I haven't played any of the games, but a lot of them seem very similar um with like they like kind of have like a bit of slapstick uh dialogue and stuff to them and just like sort of arcadey uh beat up combat
0: no would you say that's like it doesn't take itself too seriously or it just yeah. has these wacky moments I, I think that's kind of a bit of both <laughs> if that's possible um
2: but it, it it's a, it's not a franchise that's ever really appealed to me. I've seen like the odd gameplay online of some yakuza stuff and it's fun to watch sometimes, but it's not anything I would ever spend my money mm. on. Um Sonic is kind of the same way. Uh, they're fun games to play, but I haven't got on in my way to spend money or play one in a long time. Like the la- the last Sonic game I really got into and this is saying a lot. Is uh, Sonic Adventure Battle Two or Adventure Two Battle, uh, which I loved back in the day. I know that game gets some hate from a lot of people, but <laughs> I had a guy had a good time with it.
0: Uh, well, we've got some people right here. Jamie, is is that game generally <laughs> been hated? You tell uh... us, man. You're the expert.
1: I mean, I—it's funny. I've only played through that game once, and it was a long time ago. Um, I, wanna j- I first want mind. to respond to to Yakuza. So, it, most of the games have been relatively relatively similar. I've only played one of them. It was a free plus game about a year or two ago, Kuami, which is a remake of the first one. And I find it—it's a strange. They're strange games in the sense that they like try to find a balance between like really wacky, hilarious odd comedy and like some very serious storytelling and I think some people really like that I found it a bit jarring but I get, I get what's cool about it the latest Yakuza game though uh, Like a Dragon which uh, Virtua Fighter 5 that's the engine that was, it was used to, to update it yeah so the it's Dragon deep. 7 that's not um, it's not it, that game's different because it's not uh, a beat-em-up anymore that's a turn-based RPG now they switched it up so they Ooh. are switching it up now, yeah, yeah, like I uh, and they say going forward, it's now going to be a turn based uh, RPG, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, they decided to change it up. I think they re- they probably realized what you realized, Justin, which is like all the games are way too similar. Yeah. Um, and I hear that game is great, like from everything I read, people who have played through it think it's absolutely a blast. I haven't had the chance to uh, i do I do get obsessed though with that there's like a summon you get where the guy calls like a chicken on his cell phone Yes, and the chicken goes (laughs) like shoots out an egg and then he uh he cracks the raw egg onto rice which is a traditional like Japanese meal and then eats it and then the fight continues like that kind of stuff seems incredible um it it reminds me of like earthbound you know like real life kind of rpg stuff anyways to sonic i won't spend too much time uh I think the reason people hate on Sonic Adventure 2 now, and there's a big group that still loves it and wants Sonic Adventure 3. So I want to mention that first. But the haters of it, they love the Chao Garden. Everyone still loves the Chao Garden. (laughs) Uh, They dislike the way the main game plays. Um, Whether it be the emerald hunting. So like there's one stage where you are Knuckles or Rouge the Bat, and you have to like go around the stage and use this like little metal detector thingy to try and find the emeralds, and it's a pain in the butt. Uh, Sonic and Shadow don't control well now. Like, if to go back to Sonic Adventure 2, it feels like a really shitty game. Even though at the time, it was pretty cool. Like, I liked it at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the hate for that specific Sonic game. As far as Sonic in general, I'm actually kind of with Justin in this. Like, I don't really go out of, out of my way most of the time to buy or play Sonic games. Mm-hmm. So... Best example, Sonic Forces pretty recently was a Free Plus game. I played it for like 10 minutes and was like, no, there's no fucking way. <laughs> and deleted it. Um, now, on the opposite side, this was released in the same year, Sonic Mania came out, uh, which was incredible. Funny enough, it was developed by fans and licensed by Sega. But that kind of game, like that game's, um, I think is not just like a fun game. That's an incredible platformer. Um, so I guess that's where me and Justin might differ on our love for Sega and Sonic. Uh,
0: you know, you mentioned platformer. I think uh, the Mario franchise has been much more consistent, much more innovative as of late. Super Mario Galaxy uh, was a phenomenal take on the platforming and and uses of perspective, you know, in the same way that Paper Mario did, uh, where, of course, you could split one iteration of Paper Mario, where you could flip between 2D and 3D, uh, and move through the stage as, as a result. Obviously, Super Mario Galaxy using the the um, roundness, circumference of a planet um, to navigate around. It's very cool. But meanwhile, Sonic has tried to make the, those kind of variations on their classic formula and, and not succeeded as much.
2: Yeah. Uh, the Sonic the- variations are more like Sonic is a werewolf now, or
0: yeah, Sonic oh, is a Sonic. sword now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just uh, it's it's one too many features. You know, it's uh, it's just not turning in the right direction.
1: I mean, I think when Sonic switched to 3D, there were just so many issues, and then they, they you you find right with like uh Sonic Unleashed with the Werehog, and uh, the Black Knight series, the the Secret Ring series on Wii. They didn't know what to do with him or, like, what Mm -hmm. to put him in. And that's why you see a lot of Sonic stuff and the way people talk about Sonic now. They don't really talk about the games as much as they talk about him as a character, right? Where him as a brand, as a character, he's been wildly successful. You know, five TV series. He just had a movie with Jim Carrey that made a lot of money. I think it's the highest grossing video game movie of all time. And there's Probably a sequel coming next year, right? Like, and it, it was, apparently wasn't that bad. I saw it and thought it was borderline bad. <laughs> it was like teetering mediocre and bad for me. But it 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 was a hit, right? So yeah, at, at least, least they the changed the, character. the
0: Sonic too. At least they listened to fans and said, "All right, we'll get back to work on it and and show you in a minute." Uh, That's right. They changed them. the design. Nothing would have condemned them like 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 ignoring the fans. Um, no kidding
1: yeah so uh, I, I think like to talk about Sonic as like like a video game character, it's not always that positive, especially since, with rare exception, he's never gotten 3D right. I think Colors is actually one of two times they got Sonic 3D gameplay right. The other would be Sonic Generations, which I actually love. I still think it's a great game. I actually had a day, and this is going to piss you both off at the same time, where Sonic Generations was out and Skyrim was out and I was deciding which one to get and let me tell you if you can probably guess which one I picked and there was a guy in my class who was like no, no, get Skyrim, it's way better and I'm like, eh, shut up <laughs> and so uh, no regrets because Generations is still really fun to this day, in fact I'm surprised they didn't remaster that game instead of Colors I don't know if uh, how people Are will feel about that Are making
2: a second one?
1: Uh, well, when did the first one come out? 2011, right? Um, Sonic Central, like, there hasn't been one since. They haven't announced the Sonic Mania 2 or Sonic Generations 2, so I'm kind of like, eh.
2: Were those not the Sonic Central presentation?
1: Uh, no, so Sonic Colors Remastered was, and then um, there was, like, an unannounced one that's coming out next year that's rumored to be Sonic Rangers, but no mention of Mania 2, no mention of Generations 2. Which is, hmm. is really sad. Um also really sad is that the two best Sonic games in the last twenty years are both like remasters and reimaginings of old games.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. so yeah. And, and, that's now where Sonic's And that's unfortunate. Maybe that's just on Sega to find uh, just a couple new department heads and 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 get some fresh ideas on in there. Um because there's no doubt, as you had mentioned, uh, they licensed a fan game. Um, who's to say they just can't start outsourcing um, digging deep you know. Journey found their new lead singer through YouTube why can't uh, Sega find their next lead developer through you know, whatever the YouTube equivalent is uh, but certainly I, I don't think they have much to lose as of this point just trying to uh, find something new to do
1: well it's really cool because Mania right Mania is the fan developed one yeah. uh, it's a guy named Christian right- Whitehead Christian Whitehead and he got Sega's attention because he had done an iOS port of Sonic CD that was, like, perfect. It was, like, really well done. And so I think they saw his talent in that and then hired him to do it. But it speaks to, I think, people love Sonic. Like, mm-hmm. they, most of them can all admit that, like, the games kind of sucked for a while. But the community is so passionate and still pretty big. So it, it's so odd because you don't see this for many other franchises where, like, universally we can all say there's been a lot of shitty sonic games recently and yet somehow like it's still insanely popular and passionate franchise and community fan community like i i find it hard to believe personally even being a part of it
0: so mhm Yeah. it uh i mean and why not make it why excuse me i should say why wouldn't it be communal you know unlike Virtua fighter uh it, it's not uh a competitive game. It's not one of those um you, you have to beat people in order to have fun. You know, the 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 game and its use of momentum was always conducive to a sense of, whoa, I can't believe I'm actually pulling this off. Uh and then as you get later into it, you know, it's a bit of reflex. Um I, I think we had this debate earlier about how much time it takes to get good um and then how much time it takes to enjoy. I think the um that's a much shorter time scale with games like Sonic. So, uh, yeah, 100%, I'd see people loving it. And frankly, if they made a new one, you know what, I would buy one. I think I would buy my first Sonic game um, if just to say I've done so before, you know? Um, not, not, cool. not to be a, um, a, a curmudgeon or an elitist or whatever else, you know? Uh, I'll throw in with the... the the, the the dirty neck beards of Sega fandom. Um, I'll just shower after. That's my compromise.
1: I would say get if you're going to get a game, Spencer, get Sonic Mania. It's cheap. It's on PSN. It's probably the best Sonic game ever made.
0: Mm. You know what? I'll uh, keep that in mind. Very it's like fair. 10 Justin, bucks, I think. Justin, would you buy it with me if I did so? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was the suspect with the silence was suspect. Let's just put it that way. That's a little more than the uh the 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 delay typically found through the uh, doing these things on on the internet. So
1: also also Sonic Mania was on Plus June 2019. So Spencer if you you had Plus by then so I don't know if you added it or not but maybe it's in your library somewhere.
0: No in June 2019 we were still talking about one of our two or three other podcast ideas. <laughs> it took us a while to finally come around to PS Plus, but uh, No, hey, I'm
1: saying you had PS Plus, buddy, cuz we were playing Overwatch by that point. So I'm saying it, it would you would have had it free? Yeah, I don't know but if you had it though.
0: I wouldn't have had PS Plus until you, you know, till we thought of this anyway. Whatever. Fair enough. Um I I figure at this point uh, the discussions about Sega are still are still evolving. But I love delving into the history, whether it be uh, Sonic or Virtua Fighter. Um, and I, I think I'm a bit of a nostalgic kind of guy. I, I like the idea that it was pioneering in many different technologies. And as I had said in my intro, you know, it is something worth sustaining, if but just to come at it from a, a, a tourist's point of view, um, especially for, for Evo and the ilk. So that's my general impression that it is worth saving because of the history and because it it's known to go in interesting directions. And I'm sure it will again, you know, um, Justin, what about you? Do you have any closing thoughts? No, you got it, man. Ditto. Just say ditto next time. (laughs) Excellent. All right. And, uh, James, love to hear yours. Big Sega fan over here. What do you think?
1: I think if you are a big Sega fan at this point, it's probably for one of two reasons. Either you kind of grew up with a certain franchise, or you're a younger person, and you probably really like Sonic, if I'm being honest. those I think those are like the two Sega fans right now. Uh, I don't... Th- I, I, the sa- I think it's sad that Yakuza is like their biggest franchise, because even though it's gained more momentum, it still really is a more niche franchise in the video game world, right? It's mm-hmm. not... It's not like a star player, critic- it, it, it's critically decent, but it's not like a, a Marvel in, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Sonic will always sell, so they could keep releasing shit and people will keep buying Sonic. I hope that's not the case, but at this point, uh, if you're a Sonic fan, you, you know how it is. You know how it's going to be. <laughs> hope for the best, expect the worst.
0: What better note to end our inaugural podcast, huh? Maybe something the the, the listeners can take to heart uh, for every episode after this. Expect the worst, but hope for the best. So thank you all <laughs> for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. Justin Kleinscroft, thank you for coming, man. Um, always good to hear from you. Of course. Thanks again for having me, as always. Yeah, yeah. James, big boss, thanks for having us. Fantastic time. Certainly looking forward to next week. Cheers. Yeah, cheers indeed. And for everybody else, uh, I'm Spencer Banfield. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week with our review of Star Wars Squadrons. Ooh, ah. Goodbye for now.